In Your Corner is back. one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca. Anytime global uh, TV happens Sunday mornings at 8.30. We'll catch the show in your corner. We're on TV now as well. James Savan, welcome guys back for a, uh, another week in the show. We did uh, expand our wings last weekend. We're on uh, we're on a different place. We're doing a different thing. Same show, but we've uh, we spread our wings a little bit. And uh, we had some interesting calls on that show. I know you want to talk about one in particular, right, Savan? That's right, John. Uh, it's nice to see that the show is expanding and it's reaching more people. And, uh, you know, one of the calls that, uh, that really impacted me personally, and I think, you know, uh, James was also su- uh, surprised by it, is a lady who called us uh, who was dealing with a catastrophic type of a, of a claim, catastrophic injuries as a result of a car accident. And uh, what uh, took us back is not the fact that the claim was going on for as many years as it had, although she was mentioned, I think, 10 years, she said, over 10 years which is crazy uh, by, by my standard at least. But the fact that she was telling us that her lawyer who took on that car accident case was actually charging her by the hour. Yeah. Not only that, but apparently he had threatened to take her house if she doesn't pay. Now that is absolutely insane to me because uh, as many people who are in that situation, unfortunate situation of having to hire a personal injury lawyer or a long-term disability lawyer know the vast majority of lawyers who deal in this area of law work on contingency. And what that means is that we're in the same boat as you are. We don't get paid until you get paid. You know, that's the commercials you see everywhere yeah. with lawyers advertising. Not that I tell people to go out and hire the people that they see on the on the billboards, but no. you know, that's what you see out there. But that's mm-hmm. really the way that the majority of lawyers who deal in these areas of law operate. And so that got me to thinking, and John, when we first started the show, I had talked about red flags that people should watch for, uh, watch out for when they're hiring a lawyer. And I'm going to talk specifically about personal injury and long-term disability lawyers. So four things came to mind to me. Number one, if your lawyer is being disrespectful to you, that is a huge red flag. Your lawyer should never, ever act in a disrespectful manner to you or to your family. Your lawyer has not been in the accident you've been in. Your lawyer has not been cut off that long-term disability insurer who's cut you off. Your lawyer is not you. Your lawyer has been hired to provide a service. Your lawyer is working for you. It's that simple, okay? Number two, your lawyer should not be bullying and should not be aggressive to you. I see that a little differently than being disrespectful, although, you know, they can be similar. Uh, I have heard horror stories of people who have literally told me that they have been in tears after speaking with their lawyer uh, because their lawyer has just been so aggressive towards them. And I can tell you, John, from personal experience, years and years and years ago, before I was a lawyer, my father was dealing with a wrongful dismissal. He was let go from his job. And his lawyer acted towards him in such a manner that I have never seen my father in such a state before. That should absolutely never happen. Your lawyer should never be bullying you. Like threatening to take your house. Uh, Threatening to take your house, uh, uh, calling you names, uh, using uh, swear words. I've heard everything and it just boils my blood because lawyers have absolutely no right to do that. Number three, your lawyer should absolutely never instruct you to lie or cheat. And we see that a lot. In fact, I used to see it a lot as a defense lawyer. Well, not a... I didn't see it, but I presumed that was the case right. when you know I was speaking with the individual making a claim, and I got the sense that uh, perhaps they were coached on saying certain things that they should not be saying, 
And in fact, I had one person at one uh, on, on, on one occasion telling me that their own lawyer told them uh, that, uh, you know, the claim would be worth more, the personal injury claim mm. would be worth more if they stayed home and did not work, even though they could work. I mean, th- that would completely destroy their claim, I can tell you, destroy their credibility, destroy the lawyer's yeah. credibility. <laughs> if your lawyer is telling you to do something illegal, if your lawyer is telling you to do something that is unethical or, Im- yeah. or, or, or immoral, that is a huge red flag. And chances are, by the way, that the insurance company you're dealing with probably knows that lawyer and knows how that lawyer is acting. Yeah, they're wise to it by that point. They're wise to it. And frankly, even if your claim is legitimate, but you're being represented by one of those lawyers, chances are that your case is now being colored in the eyes of the insurance company because of the lawyer that's representing you. Last thing, and again, this is a big thing for me. If your lawyer is non-responsive, if you are trying to get a hold of your lawyer, if you're trying to email your lawyer, phone your lawyer, and your lawyer is just basically AWOL and just doesn't respond to you for days, weeks, months, huge, huge red flag. Because how would you know if your lawyer is responding to the other lawyer or to the insurance company? Maybe the insurance company is trying to settle your case and your lawyer is not right. responding to them. I was in, again, I was in that situation as a defense lawyer being instructed by my client, the insurance company, to offer money to settle a claim and I would have no idea if that lawyer that was never responding back to me, if he even took that offer to his client or to her client. So again, you want to make sure the lawyer you have that's, that you've hired mm-hmm. is responsive, is respectful, is acting morally and ethically. If you don't, your claim, right, money that's owed to you, that's on the line. Your case is compromised. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca. Take a short break, James. I know you want to uh, comment on what we just talked about. We will do that after the break right here on Global News Radio. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out to the guys anytime. James, you wanted to talk about uh, what Savan was talking about before we uh, we took a break. Yeah. Yeah, so whenever I'm making a comment, and I'll talk for a few minutes, and Savan will have something he wants to add, he'll always start with. I agree with everything that James was saying, which always I, I always know means, but he's left something out. There's, <laughs> There's something, something I need to common. add to that. Right? Never. So <laughs> just in reference to what we were talking about in the first segment, I agree with everything Savon was saying. <laughs> <laughs> everything he was saying is absolutely correct. From, a, from an ethical and communication standpoint, those are absolutely red flags. But there is another area where there are red flags, and that's competence. So let's go back to what we were talking about. And we were talking about this other show that we did. It's a live call-in show, and this lady called because she's had this 10-year ongoing battle um, for possible catastrophic damages. And just so our listeners understand, when you're involved in a car accident, your own insurance, as well as the insurance for the person that caused the accident, will be uh, representing different entities in legal claims. Mm -hmm. And so your claim against your own insurance company for catastrophic damages means that they may have to pay a significant amount of money for your ongoing treatment and possibly for income. And so what happened in this lady's case is that she was upset because her claim for catastrophic damages was being denied. And I asked her, I said, okay, so what I want to understand is, did your lawyer send you to see doctors that he chose to write reports, or is this just what the doctors hired by the insurance company said? Right. And what this lady told us was that it was just the doctors for the insurance company that she was sent to, and not surprisingly, the doctors that are chosen and paid for by the insurance company said that she is not catastrophically impaired. They may well be right. I haven't seen this lady's medical file, so I don't know one way or the other, but what I do know is this. 
I'm never going to take the insurance company or doctors hired by the insurance company. I'm not going to take their word for it. As a lawyer, I want to know for myself that somebody that I trust that is capable of being independent yeah. uh, will assess my client and provide me with their opinion. And unless I have that, I'm not telling my client that they don't have an ongoing claim. And in fact, I'm going to be doing that before the insurance company hires their own people anyway. They'll be the ones trying to get a rebuttal report, not me. So what I'm getting at is this. You want another red flag? If your lawyer is accepting what the insurance company or the defendant is saying or what their doctors are saying without fighting back, that's a big red flag. one 821 the number, help it in your corner.ca. What else you got going on, pal? Uh, well, Jen, you know what? I actually have quite a few things uh, okay. that I want to talk about. Why don't, why don't we go into uh, the uh, five things that uh, you must do ASAP if Which, your LTD benefits are about to be cut Number off. one, call us immediately. That's the first one is make the phone call, right? That's yes. number one. It yes. was actually number five, but we moved it down to number one because James was complaining, say, you know, this this should basically all culminate to a phone call. So, Yes. And, and, and you know, ultimately, he's not wrong. <laughs> uh, no, he's not. I'll, con- I'll concede that. Listen. It's when we tell people to give us a call, uh, you know, we're doing this because people often make mistakes mm-hmm. early on when, when they're dealing with an LTD, a long-term disability denial, or when they're told they're going to get cut off. Right. And they make various mistakes. And the, one of the most common mistakes, obviously, is that they appeal those decisions. And, and that takes them on these detours. And, you know, sometimes they even miss the limitation period for starting a legal claim. So, yes, number one should be contact us immediately. It's worth mentioning that I think there you know, are a lot of people that may not have heard us that aren't quite sure how this works. And it's very simple. You call us, you talk to us for as long as you want, and we don't charge you. Full stop. We're not going to charge you for the phone call. Every consultation that you have with us about your disability benefits or personal injury claim is absolutely free. There is no charge. I'll say it again. It's free. You call us. We'll talk to you for as long as is necessary. You will not be sent a bill. Don't believe me? Call us and find out. I assure you there will be no bill. Okay? So to be very clear, there is no risk to you in making the call. I'm saying that several times because I think people hear that and don't believe that it's true. It's true. There will be no charge. Five things you must do ASAP if your LTD benefits are about to be cut off. Number one, of course, make that phone call. Number two, check your LTD policy to determine at what age your benefits are supposed to expire. Uh, that's right. So a lot of people call us and they think that because the insurance company told them that they only uh, have two years on their policy, right. that that's what they're getting paid for, that they have a two-year policy. And the reality is that the vast majority of long-term disability policies take you to age 65. Whether you're 35 years old when you make the claim or if you're 63 when you make the claim, very few policies that I have seen take you only for two or five years um, or just a few years. And, and, and certainly very few take you beyond age 65. The vast majority take you to age 65. And that's important because people, again, uh, they get close to that two-year mark that we're going to talk about a bit later uh, and we've talked about before. People simply assume that their benefits end. And we get this time and time again. They make that assumption partly because the insurance company or the adjuster they're dealing with is leading them to believe that everyone gets cut off at the two-year mark. I've even had one time somebody call me telling me that the adjuster told him that in every instance they cut people off at two years. And, you know, partly also because uh, people simply assume that if the insurance company cuts them off, 
that it's legitimate. They that in know. fact, the insurance company knows exactly this is what they this is their business. And and clearly, if that's the step they're taking, then you know their word is the word of God, and so therefore these individuals are left to fend for themselves. And that's not the case. Insurance companies often, quite often, cut people off prematurely and deny them unjustly. And both of these situations we can rectify. In both of these situations, we can step in, push back against the insurance company, and force them to the table to negotiate. Things you must do ASAP if your LTD benefits are cut off. We'll finish off that list after a short break and then move over to your emails. It is help at inyourcorner.ca and 1-855-821-5900. We'll continue. Lots more In Your Corner is on the way. Global News Radio. The number anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca. We'll get to some emails here shortly. On the show, guys, in the meantime, the five things you must do ASAP if your LTD benefits are about to be cut off. Number one was, uh, well, make the call. Number two was check the expiration date in your policy as far as your age is concerned. Number three, if you are unable to work, get your doctor or doctors to confirm in writing that you are still disabled and explain why you can't go back to work at the present time. Yeah, this is pretty critical. Um, Your long-term disability benefits... (laughs) Whether or not you're entitled to those is going to depend on whether or not you can show that you're suffering from a disability that prevents you from being able to work. And so if you do not have that opinion in your medical file and an up-to-date opinion at that, your insurer may be well within the rights to cut you off. It may be quite appropriate for them to do it. So go to your doctor and make sure that that you have that agreement, that they will provide that opinion not just to you, but to your insurer. And the way that you make sure that they do that is to ensure that they have written written it down in their file Mm -hmm. and better yet, send a letter to your insurer stating the same. Oftentimes when insurance companies are contemplating cutting you off, they may well go to your doctor and ask for that opinion. And that would, in fact, be proper form. I would hope that most insurers would do that. But I see many times when they don't, when they just take a look at what's in the file and say, well, we don't have anything up to date. And so we're cutting you off because you don't have an opinion that shows you're not capable of working right now. Your LTD benefit's about to be cut off. Another one on our list is if you haven't already done so, apply for CPP disability as soon as possible. Oftentimes, insurance companies will tell you to apply for CPP disability, and they'll tell you that because they get credit for whatever it is you get from CPP disability. That's pretty common now. But, you know, there is another reason, I think, why people should apply for that, especially when they're told they're going to get cut off, is because it provides you with a separate income stream past that cutoff date. So let's say the insurance company is telling you, uh, you know, we're in May now, where you're going to get cut off in July. If you start getting CPP disability, your LTD may be cut off in July, but you're going to continue getting that CPP disability benefit past July. Now, the the other uh, thing that you get out of this is that if you qualify for CPP disability, the argument now that the insurance company should not cut you off mm-hmm. or our fight when we take it to the insurance company arguing that they cut you off unjustly it's only strengthened by the fact that CPP has now deemed you disabled. Right. And their test is fairly stringent, so, you know, arguably more stringent than the LTD test. I don't even LTD. think it's arguable. It is more stringent. Okay. But you know, the, the, the issue is that it, it, it's, it strengthens your hand, it gives you another income source, and just generally it makes your case, uh, uh, you know, your case that much stronger. So you should definitely do it. And, and again, this is an instances, I'm, I'm saying this to people who have not been told by their insurance company that they should apply. You should definitely think about applying. It's not difficult to do. You can go online. All the forms are there. Get your doctor to help. And it, it should not be that difficult if, in fact, uh, your injuries or your illness 
is is serious and prolonged. Is there a similar age cutoff to CPP or no? The it just converts into regular CPP. Oh, is that right? And I think okay. t- uh, uh, Terry Cochran, uh, our, our insurance friend, uh, will often tell you that uh, you may very well be in a better position, in right. fact, down the road with CPP if you had been receiving CPP disability. The five things you must do ASAP if your LTD benefits are about to be cut off. And finally, confirm in writing to your adjuster that you are not ready to go back to work and that your doctors have said that you can't go back to work anyway. So there you go. Yeah, that's really critical. And frankly, let's just expand that. Confirm everything in writing. Make sure that there is a record of everything that you've said and that the adjuster has said to you over the phone so that there's no dispute down the road that that's, in fact, what was communicated on both sides. And, you know, for this particular point, make sure that you have it in writing that you feel that you can't go back to work right. and that your doctors agree. That's critical because you don't want anyone down the road, the adjuster. You don't want the adjuster saying that, oh, well, you know, you agreed and you said that you were going to go back to work. I've seen that before. There'll be conversations where the adjuster will call up and say, well, your two years are up, so we got to get you back to work. So we're going to start this gradual return to work plan, okay? And, you know, perhaps the client says, yeah, okay, sure, not knowing what to say. And then the adjuster's notes will say, Client agreed, we'll try to go back to work. Well, no, don't agree to that. Make very clear in writing you are not agreeing to go back to work and you do not feel that you are ready to do so. We'll slide over to email here. We'll uh, we'll get one in before we take a break, guys. Uh, again, help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address. Clara writes in, says, I was let go from my job last August. After being off work on disability for a little under a year, I was given a severance and signed documents from my employer, which my lawyer told me was okay to do, but then my long-term disability insurer said that they will stop my payments for the duration equivalent to my severance. I don't understand what was the point of the severance if my insurer now won't pay me. Well, Clara, you just highlighted uh, a, a very common issue that we see in situations where an individual who is on disability is also let go from their job. And this is why we keep saying that you know whenever you have employment issues and or disability issues, mm-hmm. This is the place where you come and, and, and you know you talk to us because we have employment lawyers and we have disability lawyers. So let's break it down here. If you are let go from your job while you're on disability, first of all, your employer is not allowed to do that. That's a contravention of the Human Rights Code yeah. in Ontario. So that's actually illegal. So not only are you entitled to severance, which Lior talks about often on the employment hour, but you're also entitled to potentially human rights damages. And here's why it's important. We've spoken about this quite a few times before, and many employment lawyers out there who don't do disability work don't know this. Uh, and this is this is this is the key issue here. In many LTD policies, uh, or many LTD policies out there, contain a provision that states that uh, the insurance company gets credit for mm-hmm. any other income, such as severance, that the employee may be getting. Yep. And in Clara's case, clearly that was the case in her policy. But these policies don't contain any provisions that state that she that they're entitled to a credit for any human rights damages. So consider a case like Clara's. We don't know any specifics here, but let's assume for a second that her severance was worth thirty thousand dollars. Sure. Okay. Let's assume that if she had filed a human rights complaint, or if that uh, employment claim contained uh, a claim for for human rights damages. Let's assume that instead of thirty thousand in severance, she would have gotten twenty thousand dollars in severance and ten thousand dollars in human rights damages. Now the insurance company can no longer get credit for the full thirty thousand. They can Just only get 20. credit for the twenty thousand. Nice. 
You know, and more to the point, we've had situations where even in those instances where there is this overlap, we deal with the insurance company in such a way as to minimize the amount of money that lands in the insurance company's pocket and try to make sure that more money lands in the individual's pocket. But unless the lawyer that's handling the claim, the employment claim, is aware of those disability-related issues, that lawyer will not know and will say, yes, this is okay. And again, the net effect here for Clara is that her lawyer got paid, but she got nothing out of it because the insurance company collected everything that was supposed to go to her. I agree with everything you just said. Thank you. Just a a couple things I wanted to add. Of course. So... One thing is, uh, in those situations, when you have uh, a a lawyer who is competent in dealing with both employment and disability issues, it is sometimes possible to deal with the employment issue after the disability issue, which would allow you to keep both completely. Not always will it happen, but sometimes. And the other thing is that while most policies will contain a provision that allows the insurer to get credit for any severance. It is not all policies. And unless it is explicit that the insurance company is entitled to recover the severance, they don't get it, not a dime. So it has to be in there. It has to be written very clearly. Otherwise, you're free and clear on both ends. Another email coming up here. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. In the meantime, the number to reach out to James or Savannah, a member of the team, one 821 5900 This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The number help at inyourcorner.ca. You will catch in your corner on Global TV as well. That happens Sunday mornings at eight thirty. Laura, your email up next says my niece has MS, which is progressive. She's thirty seven and worked for over ten years at an advertising company as one of their star salespeople until her illness started to get worse. She can't work and she's been on long term disability for just over a year and a half. Recently, the insurance company had seen her by one of their doctors who says that she could do other work such as teach at a college, but she can't. She's physically, uh, she physically can't and has difficulty functioning even at home. Her doctors all agree the insurer hasn't cut her off yet, but should she expect that to happen soon? And what does she do if it does or when it happens? So absolutely, you should expect that they're going to try and cut yeah. you off soon. When they spend money, when an insurance company spends money out of their pocket, they're doing it because they want to get their ducks in a row so that they can cut off your benefits. And unless it is so crystal clear that they have to pay, they're going to find a way to do it. So in this case, what can you do right now, given that they haven't yet said that they're going to cut you off, but they've said that there are these other jobs that you can do? Well, the first thing I would do is I would demand a copy of whatever report was generated by the doctor hired by the insurance company. So based on that doctor's report, the insurance company is taking the position uh, that Laura's niece is going to be able to teach at a college. So I'd want to get my hands on that report, and you put that in writing, that request in writing, saying that you would like a copy of that because you want your doctor to review it. Mm -hmm. Once you have that report, assuming they give it to you, Um, You provide it to your doctor and you say, listen, this is what the insurance doctor is saying. Can you comment on this? Do you think I'm capable of doing it? And presuming that Laura is reading this accurately and that, in fact, her niece is not medically able to teach at a college, then you want to get that opinion from her treating doctor on the record saying that she is not able to do this and you want to get that in the hands of the insurance company before they make their decision so that, number one, it's going to be much harder for them to actually go through with terminating the benefits. And number two, 
if they do terminate the benefits, you're going to be in a better position to fight them down the road, and they're going to be exposed to punitive damages because they will have known at the time they made their decision that their decision was inappropriate, that there was no basis to, to decide that she was capable of teaching at this college. Treating doctors have told them that. So I agree with everything that James has said. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, but I want to expand actually on something he mentioned in terms of you demanding a copy of the report. Uh, I do have people contacting me saying, you know, you guys say, ask a copy of the policy, mm-hmm. ask for a copy of the reports that these doctors generate, et cetera, et cetera. I've made those requests a thousand times. The insurance company is stonewalling me. They're not giving me anything. Well, here's another benefit when we step in and start a legal claim under the rules of, of procedure for these legal claims that we start. Uh, insurance companies actually have to fork those over. Right. They cannot hide them. That's mandated by the law. So unless there is a legal claim that's initiated, those rules don't actually go into effect. They don't tie the insurance company's hands. If you, for example, are doing an appeal, as part of your appeal, you can't tell the insurance company, I demand that you give me that report. They ought to. Ethically, morally, they should give you that. You should know what those doctors have said about you, but they don't have to. And in fact, that's usually a stalling tactic. When we start a legal claim, we get their file. We get the adjuster's notes, their records. We've spoken about that before. We get those doctors' reports. Not only that, oftentimes, in fact, in in quite a few uh, instances, we have uh, seen the back and forth uh, comments and notes from the adjuster and the doctors. And I'll tell you, John, there could be some nice goodies in there as well in terms of the correspondence between those consultants or those doctors and those adjusters. So, you know, very important to understand, when we start a legal claim, when people come to us and ask us to take over that fight, we take over that fight. And now we have new tools at our disposals, uh, 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 tools that you as an individual, simply appealing a decision, doesn't have. And that allows us then to to force the insurance company to do things they otherwise would not want to do, which again leads to the inevitable result of them coming to the table and negotiating a resolution that's fair for our clients. Savan's absolutely right. There are many clients um, that we speak to that have, in fact, asked for the policy or asked for a medical document and haven't been provided it. But that shouldn't discourage you from asking for it. In fact, it's very important that you do ask. In writing. In writing, exactly. There needs to be a record of you asking for it so that down the road, if they've denied you and there's no real basis for it, that's going to look very bad for them. And in fact, you know, in some cases, the insurer will give it to you, especially if it's the policy. But even a medical document, um, they'll often give it to you or at the very least provide it directly to your doctor, which for my purposes is absolutely fine. Skip the middleman. Sure. You want to give it to the doctor? Okay. I mean, the doctor can share it with you anyway. But that's who you want to review it and comment on it anyhow. So great. Send it directly to the doctor. I'm fine with that. But make sure you make that request in writing. And if they turn you down, then that's going to be something you can use against them down the road when you bring the legal claim. I agree with both of you, but I could just say something. Can imagine first time ever, right? Laura also said she wants to do this before she gets cut off. That uh, The preemptive strike means that you guys might be able to get in there before she's even cut off, make this seamless, and keep her coverage going, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And we've had situations where we've been able to step in and actually avoid the, the right. cutoff. Uh, so, I mean, again, the worst thing you can do is when your insurance company tells you they're going to cut you off or they are – uh, you know, making moves which appear that, you know, your it's cutoff coming. date is coming, it's inevitable, uh, don't simply hope for the best, okay? Insurance companies, again, are in it for one thing and one thing only, and that's not your peace of mind. That's for them to make money 
uh, at whatever cost. And oftentimes that cost is you and your family. one 855 help at uh, inyourcorner.ca's email address. I'll bounce over to, uh, to Dale's email after we take a short break. Hang on, Dale. Yours is coming up right here on In Your Corner on Global News Radio. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca. You will catch the TV show in your corner on Global TV Sunday mornings at eight thirty. If you haven't joined us, do so uh, the next weekend. You're around at that time. Dale, your email is up. Dale says my brother works for a bank, and for the past three years, he's been struggling with various mental health issues like depression and high levels of anxiety. He sees a psychologist regularly and even takes medications, but it's gotten worse in the past few months. When he couldn't work and was in the process of going on sick leave, he was let go. Should he apply for LTD? Does he even have LTD now that he was fired? Uh, what should he do? And unpack that sucker. A lot going on there. All right. There is a lot going on there. So first of all, um, to answer the last question, he certainly does still have long-term disability coverage. There's a recent case that confirmed that if you are become disabled while you still have coverage and you're let go from your job and you subsequently lose your coverage, as long as your disability started during a period of time when you were covered, you absolutely still have the right to make a claim under that policy. So yes, um, Dale, your brother should absolutely make a claim under the LTD policy. It may well be the case that the insurance company will try and get out of this quickly and say, oh, no, sorry, you don't have coverage anymore. We're denying you on that basis, which I would expect them to do, not because it's legally correct, but because most people won't challenge that. And if that is what happens, then fine. We can bring a legal claim to challenge them on that basis, and then I'm sure they'll come up with another excuse that we can challenge them on as well, too. But there are other things going on here, too. Um, One of the things that we've talked about on this particular episode and on other episodes is when someone is let go when they are in the middle of uh, when they are disabled. And that that brings rise to um, not only severance, but human rights damages um, that the employer may need to pay as well, too. And once again, this is the benefit of a firm that has lawyers that uh, concentrate both on employment law as well as disability. When you have lawyers under the same roof that deal with both, then both issues can be dealt with in a way that's going to benefit you the most, not the lawyer the most. And that's really critical. If you have a lawyer that's just looking at disability or just looking at the employment issues, then it's quite possible that each lawyer is going to work in a way that's going to maximize their area of the claim without actually understanding or um, appreciating the way that that's going to impact you, and that can be to, to your detriment. I think what's important here to uh, to, to remember um, fr- from Dale's email, and just generally for people out there in that situation, is that what's critical here is to make sure that you have medical documentation, uh, meaning you have doctors who can say um, that it is essentially a fact in their minds, uh, their opinion, that your disability arose while you were still employed or while you were receiving severance during that period of time when you ought to have had LTD coverage. And when uh, when James says that uh, there was a case that recently uh, decided uh, that, uh, you know, so long as you had coverage while you were working and the disability arose during that time, then you can make a claim for LTD even after you stop working there. What he means by that, I just want to clarify that, that an insurance company challenged that proposition and a judge found in favor of the individual. Mm-hmm. In other words, a judge told an insurance company 
No, you are wrong. If this person, if this person's disability arose while they were covered through work, through the LTD carrier, then you qualify for LTD or you have a right to apply for LTD. Okay? Very important because we keep talking about how when we make these legal claims, insurance companies end up capitulating, coming to the table and trying to resolve the claim with us. And why is that? Because they know that at the end of the day, if we are right in what we say, which I believe we are right in pretty much everything we say here on this show, then if we end up ever taking a case before a judge, if in fact uh, we are correct, then it doesn't matter how many billions of dollars this insurance company has. A judge will force them to right. pay what they owe. And they know that. That's why they come to the table. That's why they sit across from us and negotiate. And that's how we're able to put money uh, rightfully in our clients' pockets. Got a, a couple minutes to get Sandra's email here before we break. I think we can, uh, we can pull it off. Sandra says, I've been harassed by my LTD adjuster for the past month, and I don't know what to do. He calls me every week and tells me that he needs more information and that if I don't give it to him, he'll cut me off. I'm getting panic attacks every time he calls, and just last Friday he sent me a letter saying that my payments will stop in August because I've reached the 24-month point. I'm 52, and I'm not ready to go back to work. I get CPP disability, and my doctor says that I still need a lot of treatments before I can go back to work. My husband wants me to appeal, but I just don't want to deal with that adjuster anymore. It's way too stressful. What do you say? Well, is it, I, of course it's stressful. I mean, Sandra, I mean, you, you're in a very, very understandable position and I also understand your husband, even though he's 100% wrong. You don't appeal uh, a decision like this. Look, when an LTD adjuster harasses you, bullies you, uh, and, and you know does everything that he or she can to shake you off the claim, you know that's not the time for you to step back. That's not the time for you to capitulate and say, that's it, I'm done, I'm walking away from money that's owed to me, because then they win. That's, the, that's, that's when the insurance company wins. That's, that's what they want. To be clear, when you say that, um, that uh, Sandra's husband is absolutely wrong, you're not suggesting that, um, that Sandra shouldn't be challenging it. You're just saying that the proper way to challenge isn't by appeal. Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Thank you for the clarification. No, absolutely. Uh, the, you know, the reference is to appeals, and that's what most people want to do, yeah. right? They don't want to inject another level of, in their minds, uncertainty by introducing a lawyer. The reality is that that's the most stabilizing uh, effect that you can have if you have a competent disability lawyer come in and actually protect you from the insurance company where the insurance company is denying your claim or cutting you off. And in this case, again, there's so many things to unpack here, Sandra. We've talked about the 24-month mark. We've talked about the fact that if you cannot work in any job, in any occupation, then you should continue getting benefits beyond the 24-month point, beyond the two years, because at that point, you would have met the test for any occupation. You should be getting LTD beyond that. And of course, your doctors would be confirming that you can't right. uh, work. And you know, to boot here, I mean, she's getting uh, CPP disability. So we know that the government has deemed her uh, disabled, that she has a serious and prolonged disability. So it's extremely important, Sandra, that you don't deal with this. In fact, uh, your your physical and mental states uh, are compromised by this adjuster. This is when we would step in. We would be that wall that stands between you and the insurance company. Once we step into the picture, the insurance company can't contact you anymore. The adjuster can't call you anymore. They have to go through us. And John, that's usually the biggest benefit I can tell you I in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the minds of individuals who hire us that we now stand in the way. We are now the ones dealing directly with the insurance company. one 821 5900 is that number. We'll try to get to another email or two in the last few minutes of the show. If you want to reach out, help at inyourcorner.ca. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio.
1-855-821-5900, the number, help at inyourcorner.ca. James, want to go back to uh, Sandra's email. Uh, we want to talk about the appeal, yeah? Yeah, so Sandra asked whether um, it would be appropriate for her to appeal, and as uh, we mentioned, no, absolutely not. But I think it's worthwhile just discussing why. I don't think we've done that yet on this particular episode. So just to rehash here, when you're when your insurance company is looking at your claim, they are holding all the cards. Yes, there are laws that can be enforced after the fact, but when they're in the process of deciding whether or not you're going to get your benefits, they can make that decision whichever way they want to. And it's only after you're cut off that you can apply pressure through a legal claim. But until you do that, they have all the power. And if you don't bring a legal claim, then they are never going to change their mind. Once they cut you off, it's almost impossible to change your mind without a legal claim because that's what they want to do. That's how they make money. And make no mistake about it, your insurance company isn't your pal. They're not a good neighbor. You're not in good hands. They're not the president of some TV show that you watch or a gecko or a talking duck <laughs> or you know a local hockey star or a famous football player. Nothing. They are a multi-billion dollar corporation in the business to earn a profit, and they do that by charging you premiums and cutting off your benefits as soon as they can. That's what they want to do. And so unless you bring a legal claim, that is what they are going to do. Don't appeal. All you're doing is you're allowing them to hold on to that power, and you're going to prolong the process. Janice is up next. Her email says, I was hoping you could get a good friend of mine or help a good friend of mine. I've listened to your show for a long time. And I really think that she needs help. She lives in Kingston. She was denied LTD in September 2017. And she went to a lawyer who said that he could help, but nothing has happened over a year and a half. I know that he kept asking for her medical documents and that he was writing and calling the insurance adjuster. But nothing has happened. I'm thinking that maybe he's not the right lawyer for her. What do you think? Can she switch to you guys? So, Janice, first of all, thank you for emailing us, for contacting us on behalf of your friend. And for anyone out there who's listening, if you have a friend, if you have a family member, a colleague, someone who is in need of help, please direct them to us. Uh, they may not be uh, hearing us, but but you are hearing us and, and you can help them. So, Janice, to deal with your friend's issue, uh, clearly, just from what you've described here, it doesn't seem to me like the lawyer that she's hired uh, specialized in disability law, or at least has the know-how that we're talking about on the show to deal with insurance companies. So it's okay to ask for medical documentation. I mean, we do that all the time. I would ask for my, for my client's family doctor's records or specialist records because I, I want to understand a bit more about my client's medical history. That's important. I want to have what the insurance company has so that I can I can see the full picture. But the fact that this lawyer has now had this claim, this file, uh, for as long as he has, and the fact that he's trying to correspond back and forth with the insurance company, I've seen this time and time again. It's, it's wasted opportunity to resolve the claim. When we get a claim in our office, John, almost without exception, we start a legal claim, I wouldn't say instantaneously, but literally within days or weeks, as soon as we get all of the documentation that we require. We don't engage this back and forth with the insurance company except for rare and special circumstances. And in a case like this, uh, where where Janice's friend, uh, you know, was denied long-term disability back in September 2017, you know, in a few months from now, we're going to be at the two-year mark. So she has to be very careful of that two-year limitation period, right? I mean, if you're denied in September, let's say September 1st, 2017, you only have until September 1st, 2019, two years to start a legal claim. 
If that lawyer continues corresponding, as Janice puts it, with the insurance company and misses that deadline without starting a legal claim, all all the money that she's owed by this insurance company is just going to go up in smoke, right? Because she's not going to be able to actually start a legal, she can start a legal claim, but the insurance company can knock that out. So very important for you to understand, if you are going to a lawyer that says that they deal with disability law, you want to make sure you do your research on that lawyer. That's why we tell people, you know, we, we don't just talk on this show for our health. We want to make sure that people understand what their rights are. We want to empower them. We want to make sure that people understand what, 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 you know, what their options are. And if you go to your lawyer, if you go to, your, to, to, to a lawyer that specializes in real estate or family law or immigration, that's not the right lawyer for you. No. You want to go to someone who deals exclusively in disability law because that person is going to know how to deal with the insurance company. What else you got going on just as we uh, wrap, Bill? So as we wrap up, John, I just want to make sure people know about um, uh, these uh, consultants that we're affiliated with because we get a lot of calls, you know, because mm-hmm. we do this show, uh, people who are in WSIB. And in fact, this past week, uh, there's been another article in the Toronto Star about issues with workers' compensation and workers' rights and workers having difficulties with workers' uh, compensation. Uh, and people call us for CPP disability. They want to know how to apply or what to do if they're rejected. Mm-hmm. And also how to apply for LTD. A lot of people are very, very uh, concerned about applying correctly. Well, we have consultants that don't work for the firm. We're affiliated with them, and they can help you. So if you get in touch with us, we can put you in touch with them, and then they can advise you on how it is that you go about uh, applying for those services. Good for another week, guys. You want to reach out after the show. Until uh, next week, it's simple, one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca. And if you haven't caught it yet, Global uh, TV. Sunday morning, 8.30, you'll catch In Your Corner on your television set. So we'll see you then as well. Till next time, this has been In Your Corner on Global News Radio.